Hey guys, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. So chapter 28 begins with Surah Mujadila. The context of the surah revolves around the rulings of marriage and divorce and the penalty of threatening your spouses with divorce. So back then, before Islam was revealed, it was common for a man to divorce his wife through zihar. Zihar was basically an insult, which meant that you told your wife, you are like my mother, I can't be with you anymore. Which just by saying that, the divorce was final. So one of the Muslims in the community had done zihar with his wife and the wife went to the Prophet Muhammad to complain and get help. That look, look what he's doing. This isn't fair. What will happen to my kids? And Allah the Almighty and the All-Hearing heard her complaint and sent down these verses in the surah which basically told the Muslim that it is wrong to divorce through zihar. You can't just say that your wife is like your mom when she's not. Only the one who's given you birth can be your mom. So Allah basically stopped this practice. As well, Allah told the Muslims that whoever divorces this way should repent. And if after saying this, they want to get back together with their wives, they must fast for 60 days straight. Can you imagine? Fasting for 30 days straight during Ramadan is hard, but imagine fasting 60 days straight. That's even more hard. But that's the point. Allah did this so that a person thinks twice, three times, four times before threatening for a divorce. Nowadays, how common is it that the husband and wife both threaten to divorce in every little situation, in every fight? This isn't right. Divorce is a very serious matter and you shouldn't be using it like as if you're breaking up with someone. This is why Allah made the punishment for threatening to divorce so severe. So going back to this lady who went to the Prophet peace be upon him for help, who ended up responding? Allah did. And this again is a lesson for us, that Allah is always listening to us, so anytime we have a problem, Turn to Allah before turning to any person. Turn to Allah first and then allow Allah to guide you to the right person for help. Allah then reminds the Muslims, those that reject Allah and the Messenger, those that ignore what Islam and Sunnah has told us to do, those people will have a humiliating and embarrassing punishment in this world and in the hereafter. Allah says that those people might have forgotten their bad deeds and attitude, but Allah never forgets. And those people will have to answer for every deed. Think about it. We all sin throughout the day. We don't even realize it because it's become so normal for us. We're watching a YouTube video and there's girls in bikinis. We're out with friends and we're cussing and making dirty jokes. We're scrolling through Instagram and start liking a pretty girl or handsome boy's pictures. All of these things. We don't even think of them as sins. So can you imagine being interviewed by the police about every little thing that you've done in the past 20 years, past 40 years, or however old you are? You'd panic. You'd say, I don't remember. This is why it's so important for us to be conscious of our actions and also how it's so important that when we make dua for Allah to forgive us, that we ask for forgiveness for all of our sins, the ones that we know about and the ones that we don't know. Allah then talks about the hypocrites and Allah tells us that Allah knows everything. Even when people meet up in secret and think they're alone or when they're whispering or passing notes, Allah knows. Allah tells us that those people who meet and talk in secret, they better not be talking about bad sinful things. They better fear Allah and talk about good things. So meeting in secret isn't forbidden. It's what you talk about that's forbidden. Whispering though, Allah says that whispering is an act of shaitan. That when you are with a group of people, don't seclude someone or whisper in the corner. Why? Well, think about it. If you were sitting with a group, how would you feel if you were left out? How would you feel if you saw two of the people whispering? You'd think that maybe it's about you. Even if they weren't talking about you and maybe they were just talking about what they're going to eat first, do you see the damage that it might cause to other people when you whisper? Allah then tells us that if you are in a group setting or a crowd or sitting in an assembly and more people come, make room for them. Always get up and politely make room for others without making them feel bad. 
beautiful, right? Allah is giving us guidance on etiquette on how to behave in the most normal situations. Things we might not even think about, yet here Allah is helping us think of little things like this. Allah then goes back to talking about the hypocrites and how they would act like they were on the Muslim side in front of the Prophet peace be upon him, but behind the Muslim they would spread lies and plan with the Jews. Allah basically makes a point that anyone who does this, anyone who lies, there will be no escape. They will be punishment. This goes for us too. We all lie here and think it's eh, no big deal, but it actually is. It's a very big deal and Allah will punish you for it. So instead, just tell the truth, even if it might get you in trouble. But now that you're telling the truth, don't you think Allah will be happy with you? Don't you think Allah will help you not get into trouble for telling the truth? So this is where Surah Al-Mujadila ends and the chapter continues with Surah Al-Hashir. So the context of this surah begins with Allah talking about the treaty, the agreement the Muslims had with the Jews called Bani An-Nadir in Medina. The agreement was that the Jews would side with the Muslims and that they would work together. But the Jews kept breaking the treaty. And then once the Muslims heard that the Jews were planning on killing the Prophet Muhammad that's when the Muslims broke the treaty and Allah had commanded the Jews to be banished from Medina. As we learned in the past chapter, when Muslims have a treaty with another community, they are not allowed to break it themselves unless the other side breaks it first. And if and when the Muslims end up breaking the agreement, they have to publicly announce it giving a warning that, okay, you people broke the treaty, this agreement is now finished. See how beautiful the principle of Islam is? Most other groups wouldn't even care to announce it. They would just surprise attack the other side. But Allah makes sure that there is honor and integrity in everything that we do. The Bani An-Nadir Jews have been in Medina for many years. They had a lot of strength and they didn't think the Muslims could overpower them. Even the Muslims didn't think that they could push them out. But Allah says that it was because of Allah's might that those strong Jews were pushed out. Allah makes it very clear that anyone that opposes Allah and the Messenger will have the most severest punishment. In the past chapters, we learned that destroying the land is not allowed in war unless it's absolutely necessary. And in this verse, Allah says the same thing again. Isn't that beautiful? In a situation of war, in life and death and chaos, who would care about the land? You see soldiers all the time breaking stores and bombing houses for no reason, only because they're at war. But Islam, in Islam, Allah forbids us from doing that. We aren't animals. In the past chapters, we also learned about the treasures of war and who gets them. When it came to the treasures found in the battlefield, it must be spread to all the soldiers and then the rest to the Prophet Muhammad However, for the treasures found when an army surrenders, Allah says that treasure and property is supposed to be spread to all the Muslims in the community, not just the soldiers. This way, everyone gets a fair share. Allah then talks about the hypocrites again, how there was a group of Muslims who played both sides. They would plan with the Jews, telling them, oh, don't worry, we'll fight with you. We're on your side. And then they would say the same to the Muslims. Allah says that these people are cowards. These people are liars. These people have no fear of Allah. And these people will be thrown and tortured in hell. How about today? Fake Muslims or how about fake friends? We all have them. Those that act nice in front of us, but behind our backs, they talk bad. They tell us that they love us and they'll be here for us, but as soon as things get bad, that they're never there for us. So be careful who you surround yourself with. Your group of friends will either help you become a better Muslim or hurt you and influence you into doing bad things. Allah tells us that if Allah had given the Quran to a mountain, it would have crumbled in humbleness. Meaning out of fear of Allah, the mountain would have crumbled after understanding the Quran. This verse has two points. One, that if a person with common sense were to read the Quran and truly understand it, their hearts would break, their egos would break, they would feel some type of heavy emotions, they would change their actions, change their lives. But then there are those that read the Quran and they feel nothing. 
They don't change. They don't have a fear of Allah. They don't feel guilt about their past mistakes. They just don't care. The second point is, if the mountain can understand the Quran and crumble in fear and humans don't, then basically Allah is saying that humans are dumber than rocks. If a rock can understand the heaviness of the Quran and we as humans with actual brains can't, then we are truly dumber than a rock. So reflect on the Quran. Don't just read it and listen to it. Reflect on it. Think about it. Relate it to your life and apply what you learn. This surah ends with Allah reminding us of all of Allah's qualities. Al-Alimul Ghaib, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the knower of the unseen, the most merciful and the most compassionate. Al-Malik, the king of the universe. Al-Quddus, the most perfect. As-Salam, the giver and source of peace. Al-Mu'min, the one who strengthens your faith and your iman. Al-Muhaymin, the guardian and protector. Al-Aziz, the mighty. Al-Jabbar, the one who makes everything right. Al-Mutakabbir, the supremely great. Allah is the best planner. Allah is the creator, the one who designed this universe. All praise to the most mighty and the most wise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is where Surah Al-Hashir ends and the chapter continues with Surah Al-Mumtahana. So the theme of this surah is similar to the previous surah where Allah talks about how to treat the hypocrites and the disbelievers. So the context of this surah begins in Medina. We discuss in Surah Fat the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, the agreement that the Prophet Muhammad made with the Quraysh to let the Muslims make Umrah the year after and that they will stop all fighting. So this is five years after the Quraysh have not been following the agreement. They were still attacking the Muslim allies, which broke the treaty. So the Prophet Muhammad planned to secretly travel to Mecca to confront the Quraysh. The Prophet peace be upon him only told a very few people about this plan and one of those people was Bani Abdul Muttalib. He was a guy who still had family back in Mecca. So he sent a letter to the Quraysh warning them of the Prophet's plan hoping that they would protect his family in return. Allah knew about this and told the Prophet peace be upon him and they were able to intercept that letter. That is when Allah revealed this verse that tells Muslims not to be friends with the enemy. Do not be friends with the disbelievers who are enemies of Islam, those that do bad against Muslims and Islam. Of course, you can imagine all the people that converted to Islam. They had left behind their family, their parents and friends, but they still wished well for them. But Allah tells us that our priority should be with the believing Muslims. And if the disbelievers have made it clear that they are enemies of Islam and they plan to do harm to Muslims, then you should cut all ties with them. Now we have to make this extremely clear. Allah is not telling us that we can't be friends with non-Muslims. No, Allah is saying that we specifically can't be friends with the non-Muslims who are openly planning against Islam, who openly hurt Muslims. Because in the verse right after this, Allah makes it very clear that if you live amongst non-believers that are good to you, then of course you should be good to them. Allah gives Prophet Ibrahim's example and his relationship with his dad. His dad wasn't just upset with Prophet Ibrahim. The dad and the entire city planned to harm Ibrahim. There is a difference. You might have family or friends that are upset that you converted, but unless they are planning to harm you, harm other Muslims, harm the mosque or something, then of course you can keep your relationship with them. So going back to the surah and all the converts that left husbands and wives behind, Allah made it very clear that a Muslim woman's marriage with a disbeliever breaks the marriage. And same with a Muslim man's marriage to a disbelieving woman. When they say disbeliever, they mean specifically idol worshippers. Islam does allow men to marry outside of Islam if the woman is either Christian or Jewish, but not if she is an idol worshipper or atheist. So this is where Surah Al-Mumtahana ends and the chapter continues with Surah As-Saf. So this surah begins with Allah's praise, that Allah is the Almighty, the Most Wise. This surah was revealed after the Battle of Uhud, meaning it's in a different time period than the previous surah. 
And in this surah, Allah asks us, the Muslims, why do you Muslims say that you're going to do something and then don't do it? Why do you promise to do something and then not end up doing it? Why do you not practice what you preach? So this of course points out all the Muslims who said that they were going to fight in the battle of Uhud and then didn't. The Muslims that preach one thing and then don't do it themselves. The Muslims that promise that they will give charity and then don't. Allah makes it very clear that Allah does not like it at all when Muslims do not do what they say that they're going to do. Because that's practically like you're lying. And as we all know, lying is forbidden. Allah tells us that He loves a Muslim that shows commitment. Those that are determined, they show bravery and they put the best effort in for Allah. Perfect examples are the Muslims who make extra effort to go to the mosque early and sit in the front so that they don't miss the khutbah. We should all reflect on our efforts as Muslims. Are we lazy Muslims or are we the ambitious Muslims? Allah then references the story of Prophet Musa and how after he saved his people, his people still disobeyed him and Allah. They did not commit to Islam. They wanted to do their own thing. So Allah let them go. Allah then references the story of Prophet Isa, Jesus, and how Prophet Isa was sent down and told the Jews that he was the messenger sent by Allah to confirm the Torah, the book Allah sent to the Prophet Musa. Prophet Isa was sent to confirm and let the people know about the Prophet that will come after him whose name will be Ahmed, which in Arabic, Muhammad and Ahmed are the same thing. Interesting fact that many Christians and Jews will deny is that their holy books does reference another Prophet coming. It references Prophet Muhammad but they act like that's not who their book is talking about. Allah then asks us, would you like to know about a deal you can make? A deal that will save you from hell and grant you Jannah? A deal that will bless you with blessings beyond your imagination? Allah says the deal is simple. All you have to do is have faith in Allah and the Messenger and make the best effort you can for Allah with everything that you do. So if you follow Islam and live your life to make Allah happy, spend your time, your money, your skill towards Allah, Allah will forgive your sins and grant you success in this life and the hereafter. If you take notice here, Allah is not asking you to be perfect. No, not at all. All Allah is asking you from is to just try. Put in your best effort, your sincerest efforts, not lazy effort, not bare minimum, not when it's just easy for you to be a Muslim. Put in your best effort and Allah will save you from hell and guarantee you success in this life and the hereafter. Allah tells us that this deal is the best deal anyone can ever get. So this is where Surah As-Saf ends and the chapter continues with Surah Al-Jumah. So this Surah begins with the praise of Allah, that it is Allah the Almighty and the All-Wise that sent a messenger down to the people to teach them about the Quran, a book full of wisdom so that they can change themselves. Allah makes it very clear that Allah sent down the Prophet, peace be upon him, not just for the Arabs, but for all mankind. As we learned before, the Jews were once Allah's favorite, Allah had blessed them with everything, but they didn't commit to the message. They changed the book, they wanted to do what they wanted to do. They believed that just because they were the chosen ones, they were the only ones who will go to Jannah. Everyone else will go to hell. They looked down on the Arabs and everyone else, and they obviously rejected the Prophet Muhammad the same way they rejected Prophet Isa, Jesus. Allah tells us that Allah gave them the Torah and a messenger and so much knowledge, but look what they did with it. Allah says it's like a donkey that has books on its back. Basically meaning that the Jews have no idea what precious gifts that they were given and what treasures they rejected. Imagine a person was given an envelope and was told there was money inside. The person just put it in their back and they never opened it. And the person didn't even realize that they had a billion dollar check in that envelope. That person is walking around with a billion dollar check and they don't even realize it. The same goes with us. So many of us Muslims don't even realize that we have a billion dollar check sitting on the bookshelf just collecting dust. 
that we have the ultimate cheat codes for this game. Isn't that sad? Aren't we also like the donkey then? The Quran isn't just meant to be put on yourself. It's meant to be read. We need to reflect on it, change our actions and behaviors from it. Allah then tells the Jews that if they are so confident that they are Allah's favorite and that they will 100% go to Jannah, then why not wish for death right now? And why waste your time on earth when you can just wish for death and go straight to Jannah? Allah then changes topic and talks about the call to prayer, specifically the call for Friday prayer, Jummah prayer, and that all Muslim men should leave what they're doing and go to Friday prayer, that it is mandatory, farth upon the men. Everyone already knew about Jummah prayers at the time, but Allah made it a point to reveal a verse about it, meaning that people were being lazy and not taking Jummah prayer seriously. How about us? How many of us miss Jummah prayer? Usually because of either work or school or just pure laziness. This is very, very bad. Where there is a will, there is a way. Meaning if you really wanted to pray Jummah, you would find a way. If you're a student at school, most schools have a Muslim club that prays Jummah during lunch. If you work somewhere, speak to your boss about taking a 30 minute break. Don't be shy or embarrassed. What's the worst that will happen? They'll say no. And remember, Jummah includes the khutbah too, not just two rakahs. So go in time to listen to the khutbah. Don't be among those lazy people who get there just for the last five minutes of a khutbah. In a hadith, the Prophet Muhammad said that a person who bathes and does ghusl on a Friday comes to the mosque early and sits close to the imam and listens quietly. For that person, every step that he takes will have the reward of fasting for one whole year. Yes, you heard that right. Every step will have the reward for fasting an entire year. How crazy is that? Some people might say, oh, this is too good to be true. But then do we forget that Allah is the most appreciative, the most merciful? This reward is easy for Allah. It's like a billionaire giving out a penny. Now the reward for going to Jummah shows how extremely important it is. Friday is the most sacred day for Muslims because it is said that the day of judgment will happen on a Friday. Now what about the person that misses Jummah? Allah says the person who doesn't go to Jummah three times in a row, hypocrisy is stamped on that person's heart. Allah then tells us that once prayer has ended, then you can go back to what you were doing. But continue to remember Allah and make dhikr throughout the day so that you receive all the blessings that come from Jummah. Be extra careful how you spend your Friday. We all know Fridays are the day of fun, the weekend is here, time to go out and hang with friends. Remember the cost of that haram fun and do your best to have halal fun. So this is where Surah Jummah ends and the chapter continues with Surah Munafikun. So this surah revolves around the hypocrites. Munafikun means hypocrite. So the surah begins with Allah telling the Prophet peace be upon him that, O oh Prophet, if these people come to you saying, Oh, we accept, we accept you as the true Prophet of Allah, don't believe them because Allah knows that these hypocrites are liars. Hypocrites only say they accept you as a Prophet so that they can be protected by the Muslims. Allah says, Beware of the hypocrites because they will be very nice and charming people. They will look and dress nice. When they speak, they will sound very smart and, and everyone will want to listen. But this is all fake just a huge act to get attention. These people will act like amazing Muslims in person and online. They'll post videos of themselves doing charity and good deeds. They will talk about Islam and helping others. But when no one is looking, they don't pray. They don't care about sinning. They don't care about Allah's rules. They have no fear of Allah at all. Allah then changes topic and tells us not to let our possessions and our children forget Allah. Meaning yes, this life, our family, our job is important and Allah blesses us with all these things, but do not let those blessings distract you from Allah. Don't let those things make you so busy that you forget your salah or you forget to make dhikr and other things. So this is where Surah Munafikun ends and the chapter continues with Surah At-Tajibun. 
So this surah begins with praise of Allah and that it was Allah that created us. Yet some people still deny the truth. It is Allah that created the universe, the heavens and the earth with truth. Meaning Allah created everything with a purpose. It is Allah that designed us so beautifully. Legs to walk with, hands to hold with, teeth to bite with, a brain to think with. And eventually we will all return to Allah. And Allah will ask us what we did with those feet, what we did with those hands, what we did with our eyes and our tongue. Allah then asks the disbelievers, did you people not hear the story about all the nations in the past that also disobeyed? Allah then reminds the disbelievers that so many nations in the past were sent messengers with clear proof of Allah's message. And they all ignored it. So Allah ignored them and they were eventually erased. Allah makes it very clear. Oh disbelievers, if you think you won't be brought back to life from the dead, you are mistaken. Allah did it once, Allah can do it again. Allah warns the disbelievers that the day of judgment will come. Don't think it's not going to happen anytime soon because it can literally happen at any moment. So believe in Allah and the Messenger. Allah then speaks to the believers, telling them everything that happens to them, good or bad, happens with Allah's permission. So don't lose hope. Don't get sad. Trust Allah that whatever Allah does is for the best. And Allah will guide you out of your hardship. Allah reminds the believers again that your family and your wealth will be a test for you. That they might make you so busy that you begin to forget Allah. But you need to find a balance where you prioritize Allah over your family. Yes, prioritize Allah over your mom, your wife, your kids. Your duty is to Allah first and then everyone else. But this also doesn't mean that you only focus on Allah and ignore everyone else. No, balance. Allah reminds the believers about charity again and how those that are stingy, those that don't like to give, those people will never succeed. So this is where Surah Al-Tajibun ends and the chapter continues with Surah Al-Talaq. So this surah talks about the rules of divorce in Islam. Allah tells us that when a man divorces a woman and if they have had intercourse, then they must do idah, which is waiting three menstrual cycles to make sure that the wife isn't pregnant. And during these three months, the wife should not be kicked out of the house, nor should she leave herself because Allah says, these three months are the perfect time to let things cool down, that maybe Allah might allow the husband and wife to make up. Allah makes it very clear, do not use divorce as a threat in every fight or argument like it's no big deal. Divorce is a very serious thing and once you divorce a person for the third time, that's it. You cannot get back with them again. Divorce is not a game. If you need a break or time apart, then you may do so. Divorce should be the last option. Allah tells us that once Ida is over, then decide. Are you going to finalize this divorce and go your separate ways or are you going to stay together? If you decide to go your separate ways, then you must call two people as witnesses to declare and let them know that you two are now divorced. And once the divorce is done, leave on good terms. Do not leave on bad terms. Do not leave hating, causing drama, backbiting or anything. If a woman divorces while she's already pregnant, then Allah expects the man to keep his divorced wife with him and provide for her until she gives birth. So this is where Surah Al-Talaq ends and the chapter continues with Surah At-Tahreem. So the context of this surah begins when the Prophet peace be upon him's wives had told the Prophet not to drink honey anymore because they didn't like the way it smelled in his mouth. So the Prophet promised that he would never drink honey again. This is where this verse was revealed and Allah says, O Prophet, why are you making something that Allah made halal forbidden on yourself? Are you trying to please your wives? Don't do that. Allah tells the Prophet peace be upon him to break this promise that you made and seek forgiveness from Allah. So why did Allah have to reveal a verse about this? Well, it's because everyone looked up to the Prophet, peace be upon him. Everything that the Prophet did, people copied and followed. So Allah knew that if the Prophet had stopped drinking honey, then the whole community would follow. But if Allah has made something halal for us, then no one should make it forbidden or haram. 
this verse also became a lesson for the Prophet's wives as well, to remind them that, hey, they need to be more mindful and careful when they ask the Prophet, peace be upon him, of such things. It's important to note here that the Prophet's wives were only human, and even though they were expected to be role models, they had their own emotions. They felt jealousy sometimes and wanted the Prophet's attention, and sometimes these emotions would get carried away. So Allah warned the wives to be more mindful of their actions, because if the Prophet were to divorce them, then Allah might grant him better wives who truly submit to Allah and follow Allah's rules. Allah then warns the believers to protect themselves and their close ones from hellfire, basically telling us that it is our duty to educate others. It is our duty to share and spread the message of Islam. Share this knowledge. Again, Allah didn't say force, Allah said simply share. Allah then reminds us of the story of Prophet Noah and Prophet Lut and how the wives of both prophets didn't support them. And in the end, they were wiped away as well. A lesson from this is that it didn't matter how righteous the prophets were, they are responsible for only their own deeds. And if their wife and kids did not follow, no one will be able to save them except for their own deeds. Allah then mentions the story of Pharaoh's wife, who had an abusive husband, a monster of a husband, and yet she still remained faithful to Allah. Allah then mentions the story of Maryam, Mary, the mother of Isa, and how she was tested when Allah gave her a child despite the fact that she was a virgin. She remained patient and trusted Allah. Allah mentions these two women as examples of what a good Muslim woman role model should look like. So this is where Surah At-Tahrim and chapter 28 ends.